Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. We haven't had the chance to meet. My name's Christian. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at PCTR. As I mentioned, Pastor Robbie is away on vacation, and I appreciate your ongoing prayers for him for just refreshment. But we're continuing our sermon series that we've been in for basically the whole summer thus far, and it's, it's called The Rest of the Story. And I thought I would introduce this series um, with a story from my own life. I remember I was, I know I was pretty young, but there was a few things that made strong impressions. You know, when you're really young, your earliest memories are something that really kind of had a a potent uh, experience. And one of them was that I moved into this house um, it, it's another family had lived there, probably a few families had lived there. This was in Portland, Oregon. The walls in my room were red. That made an impression on me. And on those walls were decals, large stickers. Uh, I don't know how big, it, it, it seemed big to me, but I was like three or four at the time. And there was uh, decals or stickers of animals. And I can't remember the other animals, but I do remember the lion. And it was this cartoon lion. And this lion... Um, uh, was as big as I was, had this flowing mane, and uh, uh, thanks to um, uh, animation, had a smile on his face. And I remember that, and being in that room, in my home in Portland, Oregon, there in, in the hills uh, uh, of the west side of Portland, um, in the woods. The thing is, through those woods, right where we were, there was a, a, a narrow but deep canyon and on the other side was the Portland Zoo. And um, I remember on some nights, especially hot summer nights, when a storm would come in off the Pacific Ocean and there might be a thunderstorm, and I would be there in bed late at night with my covers over me, and I would be listening to this thunderstorm, and I would hear from the zoo the lions roaring because they did not like the thunder and lightning, and I could hear the elephants trumpeting. And I, when I, at that point, I realized that a lion is something much more than that decal on my wall. That while that was a very nice and domesticated image, a lion has, is a powerful and even terrifying and awe-inspiring thing. And our, our series here, the rest of the story, is an attempt to um, take a look at some of the stories that we might be familiar with, especially if we grew up in church, maybe in Sunday school or we had heard before. And even if that isn't our experience, some of these stories are so common, they're woven into our culture, we might have heard of them or be familiar with them, but recognize that we probably didn't get the full story. We might have got the decal version, but we didn't get the whole thing. And so we are taking a closer look at these and see how they, imp- they impact our lives and, and give us hope and ultimately point us towards Christ. And our, uh, our passage today really looks to do that and really points us to uh, some deep truths, including a key question, a key question of is God in control despite the chaos in the world and in the culture and in our lives? 
I think we've already sensed that we've had the first part of the story already um, where there is difficulty. Daniel faces life and death difficulty. And um, while we may not be in life and death situations all the time, there is still conflict. That we, we have sensed this. Pastor Robbie mentioned this even last week. There's the, the, the political polarity. There's the differing priorities and, um, and uh, principles and goals that we experience in our culture and in, sometimes even in our families and in our lives. And it, often we find people set against one another. And is God in the, uh, is he alive and active and moving in these situations? Because sometimes, honestly, from a worldly, limited uh, point of view, it seems like God can't work in those situations. But God can work in these situations, as we'll see in this account here. And in this account, it starts out, we have this king. This king has set up a hierarchical structure. These satraps and these leaders. Daniel is a part of this leadership structure. But for whatever reason, we're not exactly sure, some of the people are set against Daniel. They're not happy with him. They are malicious towards him. And they want to... Um, bring him down. I don't know if it's avarice. I don't know if it's just jealousy. I don't know if it's that um, they are just upset that this outsider, this Judean exile, um, is there in Babylon and over them, Um, but they want him gone, and they're looking for an opening of how they can do that, but they don't have, they're not seeing an opportunity because Daniel is so ethical. He is, he is so careful and, and how he conducts his business, so much so God's blessing him and what he's doing and working through him. And so they don't see an opening, and so they decide to lay a trap. They lay a trap. They realize that the only way that they're going to be able to get Daniel out of the picture is to have their laws contradict the, the laws of God that Daniel follows and create a conflict there. And so they go to the king, and they have this plan that only people, the people there of that city and that nation will be able to worship or say a prayer to the king. They, I guess they're appealing to his vanity, right? That, that he would be the only God prayed for for a whole month. And, uh, the, and so this is agreed to, and they decide to do this, and then they allow some time, and then they catch Daniel in the midst of continually praying to God. It was Daniel's habit, as he read in Scripture, to pray three times a day and facing Jerusalem, where the temple used to be. Um, remember that they are in exile in Babylon in a faraway land. If you're, if you're not recalling that, um, that history, that background, I encourage you to check out Pastor Robbie's sermon last week. He gives a little bit of background, but just know that they are in exile, and Daniel prayed towards where the temple used to be. It was destroyed, and he does this three times a day. And so he prays. They catch him. He's praying to someone other than the king, and so they bring him before the king, and they, they, they're buttering him up. They're, they're really kind of setting this up. Go, king, don't you remember? You have laid down this law. And, um, and so then it's presented that Daniel has violated this law that the king has made, and, and they remind him the, of this thing that he, he's not supposed to change the law. 
Even he, the king, is not supposed to change his previous law. It's said kind of again and again and again. I'm going to tease something at the end. We'll hear where he actually does change it at the end, but he feels so much pressure. He wants to save face, and he won't change the law. He's looking for a way. He likes Daniel. He wanted to make Daniel in charge of the whole nation, but he feels bound. And it's incredibly ironic. This person who had, you know, aspirations of being a god um, and wanted to receive prayers as a god is actually bound by his own law that he made. And it's also ironic that, that um, those who are p- pressing against the king and have laid this trap to say that Daniel is not faithful, well, it's actually Daniel who is the most faithful. And these satraps, these people, these schemers are the ones that are actually being unfaithful and have set up this scheme to get rid of Daniel. And the king's not able to do anything about it. And so to the lion den he goes. I really got to wonder about Babylon. There's, it seems like there's all these death pits around. There's, last week it was the furnace, the fiery furnace. Here we have the lion's pit. I'm wondering where the, uh, the pit of despair, like the princess bride is. It just seems like there's so many places to kill people here. Um, but that seems to be Babylon of the day. Um, but so to the lion's den he goes. And the king um, seals up uh, with his ring the wax on the stone that's covered up so that um, Daniel is not able to escape. And that's where we had that cliffhanger. And let, let us resolve that cliffhanger now as we hear God's word as I finish the rest of Daniel chapter 6, starting with verse 19. Hear God's word. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came to the den, he called Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, the servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent an angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and their children. And before they were even able to reach, before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we ask that your spirit would be here and open up your word to us that we would be able to hear you afresh and anew through 
satraps and kings and Daniel and lions, through all of this, reveal yourself that we would come to know and love you more. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we have this dramatic reversal here. It seemed so grim for Daniel, and the king was worried. This king who would be God could not sleep. And Daniel, who was facing um, certain death, sleeps and emerges unscathed from the lion's den. The malicious schemers who felt their they would have greater power, they would have greater wealth, that they would have triumph over an outsider, receive brutal justice. It was brutal justice there in Babylon um, in that time. It was not just on them, but their whole households. And where Daniel was safe on the floor for a whole night, these schemers did not even make it to the floor before they were crushed. That the very bones were broken. I'm pretty sure this is not in the typical telling of Daniel and the lion's den in Sunday school classes. I think that fact is often overlooked. But it's part of the story. It's dramatic. But God is moving in a, in a mighty and powerful way. God is in control. It seems like it's not the case that everything has come against Daniel and there's no way out. But regardless of that fact, uh, regardless of the political forces that come against Daniel, God preserves him from the clutches of the, dying, the lions and the satraps. And in spite of the fact that the law of the Medes and the Persians had condemned him to death, God preserves his life. Regardless of the fact that the lions were hungry, God does not allow them to even scratch Daniel's skin. And God is indeed in working his purposes out. If we were to stop at that first point or in several different places along the way, it might seem like this is out of God's control. But God can work in mighty and powerful ways. He can weave together and work even when it doesn't seem like it. He, he has the ability to work in situations to bring about his purposes and to bring about his glory. In this case, we had a miraculous rescue. Like here, and then also, also from Daniel, last week the fiery furnace, and here the lion's den. Um, Daniel's friends were saved in, in the lion's den. It was not from, I'm sorry, from the fiery furnace. Not, they were not saved from the fiery furnace. They were saved in the fiery furnace. Pastor Robbie made that point, and that's the case here with Daniel himself, that um, Daniel was not saved from the lion's den, but he was saved in the lion's den, in the midst of it. And sometimes our discipleship, our faithfulness to Christ calls us into difficult situations. It's not that we're rescued from them, but we have to pass through them. And God works out his victory over life, life over death, hope over fear, justice over injustice, um, good over evil, and, uh, th but this victory does not always, in, in everyday life, take on a miraculous physical deliverance. These accounts where God does work a miraculous de deliverance encourages us and gives us the hope that God is able to work in the most difficult of situations. He may not work in such bold ways in earthly terms, uh, every single case, but these, uh, these specific cases let us know it is possible. 
that God is in control and he works out his purposes. And that's what we, part of what we have here. And as, so as we take the whole story of Daniel and the lion's den, the whole story of Daniel chapter 6, we can be encouraged that as we face the challenges in our own lives, in our families, in our work settings, in our culture, in the world, whatever that might be, whatever is the lions prowling around in our own lives, we can see that God can work even in the midst of these situations, that he is for us, that we are his beloved, and he is going to work out his purposes. And coming to the close, I want to just point out one more thing about this. I don't know if you sensed it as we were going through, but as we walk through the story of Daniel, and because we live on this side of history and in this side of the crucifixion and the resurrection, I don't know if you were picking up some similarities to Jesus. And in some sense, Daniel foreshadows uh, Jesus' uh, passion. Um, Daniel was innocent. And so was Jesus. But there was a betrayal. Daniel was betrayed by those who should have um, uh, been working for him and helping him, but he was betrayed. Jesus was betrayed by one of his own disciples, Judas. There was, in a sense, an unfair trial in both cases for both Daniel and for Jesus. The leader could not stand up. uh, In the case of the king with, with Daniel, he could see that this was wrong, and he wanted Daniel to live, but there was nothing that he could do. In the case of Jesus with Pilate, Pilate could see that Jesus was innocent, but he was not willing to stand up to the authorities that were pushing for his crucifixion. Daniel, um, Daniel did not speak out against the king, and in the same way, Jesus prayed for those who crucified him. From the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. On Daniel, he did not even have a scratch on him. Jesus had no broken bones, which was a prophecy that was fulfilled that he had no control over. He died before they came. It was often a way to speed up a crucifixion was to break people's legs. They would have a heavy club and they would break it. They did it to the thieves around them, but it did not happen to Jesus, and he had no broken bones. And then there was the comeuppance for, uh, for those who were against uh, Daniel. And, and same for Jesus. In the case of Jesus, Judas um, experienced his comeuppance, and he died. And then both were lifted up. Daniel was lifted up out of the lion's den. Jesus was lifted up out of the grave, alive again, and eventually lifted up into heaven, where he sits now at the right hand of God the Father. There's many parallels here. There's even more that I haven't even, I didn't even touch on the stone, the rolling over and the sealed. There these and more parallels. But Daniel foretells, foreshadows the coming of Jesus. And the coming of Jesus and his passion is even more powerful and saves not just a person, not just a people, but all people and saves creation, offers us new life, and a new way, and that life is available to us. And so Jesus is the answer for us, and and as we move forward, and and especially as we ask the question, is God in control, and is there a way? Is there a way to be saved from the lions that are prowling around and after us? There is, and that ultimate answer is in Jesus. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we admit 
that sometimes it seems like lions are prowling around. We each have our different situations. Sometimes they seem quite large. Sometimes it seems like a whole pride of them. Sometimes it seems like a single one that hunts us down, that pursues us. Lord, we are so thankful that you can move in these situations, that you have the ability to close the lion's mouth, that you can work out your purposes. While it may not always look the way that we want it to, Lord, we trust that you are working in our lives, that you are for us. Help us to turn to you and rest in you and and experience your love, your grace, and your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.